Hi guys! Before you get started with this week's episode, I just wanted to pop on and give a little disclaimer that the sound is not ideal in this one. Katie and I both really talk with our hands, which resulted in us kind of knocking our mics around a little bit. Uh, I tried to clean up the sound as best as I could, but after about the third of the way through, it really gets a whole lot better. So stick with us because this one is a powerful one. Let's get listening. Hi guys, I'm Dr. Tori, and this is the Half Crunched Mama Doc Podcast, where I'm connecting with busy parents to swap stories of the celebrations and struggles of parenthood, all through the lens of a pediatrician. Tune in to hear everything from pregnancy and parenting, to mental health practices, a little hippie, and a lot, lot more. So happy you're here. Okay, welcome everybody. My guest this week is Katie. She is a mama of three littles, lover of essential oils, photography, and a dreamer and creator. She has had a unique journey of motherhood through foster care, adoption, and navigating the world of special needs with her youngest son, Cal. I've asked her here today to talk about her motherhood journey and all the things that have come with it. Welcome, Katie. Hey, thanks for having us. I'm so glad you're here. I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been trying to make it work for quite a few weeks now. So I'm really appreciative that you're here, and I know time is an asset that you don't have a lot of when you have three kids, so thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. Well, why don't, um, in your words, kind of give us some background about yourself? Yeah, so I grew up in the Midwest originally. Um, I told myself we would never move back to the Midwest because I don't do the cold, but here we are. Um, my husband and I, we met at college, um, in, at TCU, we went to, um, TCU in Fort Worth, Texas. So we fell in love with the South. We lived there for a while. Um, I was working as a nurse. He was coaching college baseball. Um, and we knew that we felt called to foster. And so we pursued foster care. And after, or while we were in the midst of foster care, we became pregnant with our biological daughter. So we, we joked that we had two kids in 15 months. Yeah, that's a <laughs> lot. It was a lot. Um, we ended up wanting to be closer to family. So we moved back to the Midwest and then we welcomed Cal last, just this last December. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. So it's been quite, I know there's a lot of details we kind of skimmed over there. Um, first, let's just touch on Texas. I've always thought that you've had like this sort of southerny draw. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I wonder if she grew up in the South, but you grew up here. Yes. Yep. Okay. Um, and tell me about your desire for adoption. Did that come after any fertility struggles or that was just something that you knew you wanted to do? Yeah, I think that's uh, kind of a common question that we get asked a lot. You know, could you could you not get pregnant? Could you not have children? Um, we we were on the we were blessed enough to be on the other end of that spectrum and always got pregnant very easily. Um, but it was just something that we we felt like we were young. We were going to enter that season of life at some point, and so adoption was never really on my radar. It was foster care. And then foster care for us turned into adoption and we were thrilled that it ended that way. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, do you feel comfortable sharing the ages and the names of your kids? Yeah. So our oldest Gabe, um, whom we adopted through foster care, he just turned six. And then our middle daughter, biological Amy Grace is four, almost five. And then Cal, um, just turned a year in December. 
Yeah. Congratulations for the year birthday. Thanks. Yay. So tell us a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) It goes fast when you're in quarantine and can't do anything, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, Tell us more. I mean, Cal seems to have really been the biggest um, kind of looking through your story catalyst for you to really change a lot of what you've done and are doing with your blog and motherhood and all that. Do you, would you say that's true? Yeah, I would. Yep. Well, can you tell us a little bit more about Cal and what makes him so special? Yes. So last December, we, um, if I'm honest, kind of just, I, I savored every moment of being pregnant with Cal because when we had Andy Grace, our middle, it was just chaotic. You know, we were in the foster care system. We were hoping to adopt and the entire pregnancy in that first, you know, year and a half of new newborn life with her essentially was just um, so different and not typical or normal. And so with Cal, I just savored, you know, the pregnancy. I just, I looked forward to bringing home a newborn and having a little bit of normal. Well, we, we got none of that. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Yes. Tell us, um, <laughs> tell us, tell us all the things. So Cal um, came about four weeks early. My water broke Christmas night. We went to the hospital, had a super quick labor and Cal popped out and they said, Oh, we are pretty confident that your son has down syndrome. Um, so Cal was in fact born. We received a birth diagnosis of down syndrome. Um, yeah. And the whirlwind began after that. <laughs> whirlwind began. So prenatally, all of your scans and testing and everything had come back saying, everything looks great. Keep on going. Yes, we did. We chose not to do a NIPT screen, which is the non-invasive prenatal testing. We, um, we did do the ultrasounds and everything came back normal as far as, you know, there was, there's nothing abnormal about our ultrasounds. Right. The anatomy scans and the heart scan yep. and all that stuff. Okay. Correct. Yep. And so it was, was it shortly after delivery or kind of who gave you that news or how did that go? Yeah, it was actually just minutes within delivery. Um, They actually didn't even, after Cal was born, it was, uh, I think, facially. And he had a lot of the typical markers for Down syndrome that it wasn't really even a question. It was more of a statement, hey, your son has Down syndrome. And my markers, you mean like physical attributes that you kind of associate with trisomy 21 correct yes you mean yes okay and what was your what what was your initial reaction um (laughs) this is a hard one and it's one that I always get so emotional about I I was absolutely devastated um we walked in you know thinking that we were having a baby on Christmas night and that we for nine months I had dreamed about who and what I thought that Cal would be Um, and when we got that diagnosis at birth, my world just crumbled because it was everything opposite of what I had pictured and dreamt Cal would be. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it took you a while to accept it? Yeah. You know, I think I I remember them looking at me and saying, we, we, you know, your son has Down syndrome. We're, we're pretty confident that he has Down syndrome. And I remember, um, just wailing, crying and just feeling almost paralyzed. Like I could not even, they brought him over, you know, all swaddled up. And I, I remember not physically, not even being able to extend my arms to 
accept him. Um, and that, that thought, even just saying that out loud makes me cry now because yeah. um, I can't imagine Cal being any different than who he is. Um, my husband was a trooper. He, he, he grabs Cal and he looked at him and he goes, yeah, he does have Down syndrome. <laughs> um, for me, it was a journey of um, acceptance. I think a lot of that was in how the information was presented and just my preconceived knowledge of Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember just having what I thought were unforgivable thoughts, if you will. I, I thought, you know, this, this would have been so much easier had this pregnancy ended in a miscarriage. I mean, I had just thoughts that I am so embarrassed now to even say out loud, but just want other moms to know that when you, one, are hormonal, and two, you are completely blindsided and given the diagnosis that you don't expect, I think that you have to give yourself a lot of grace and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I will say as a pediatrician that I've, I've heard similar things with a really, um, with the associated sense of shame that you're sharing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important for you to share that, to, to allow other moms to know that like you can have those thoughts and it doesn't make you mm-hmm. a bad mom. And, you know, a year down the line, it doesn't mean that you're not exactly where you are supposed to be. And mm-hmm it's okay that it took a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Tell me, um, can you give us some, fa- I'm, I'm sure you have like a bunch of little tidbits cause you do a ton of advocacy for <laughs> trisomy 21 and down syndrome. Can you just give us a little bit of background about down syndrome if you feel comfortable? Yeah. So pretty short and sweet that trisomy 21 is an extra copy of the 21st chromosome, meaning that Cal there are a few different types of Down syndrome, but Cal has your, they call it a just standard trisomy 21, meaning that he has a copy of the 21st chromosome in each one of his cells in his body. Yeah. So he has three instead of two. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So um, also we should touch on, I, you had mentioned you were a nurse, but you were a, you worked in OB, labor and delivery? Yes. Yes. Okay. Correct. Were you practicing as a nurse when you delivered Cal? I was, um, yes, which made it even just more surreal, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had been in the room that we delivered in multiple times. Um, so I had our whole entire delivery planned out perfectly. I knew who I wanted to do my epidural. I knew who was on call. I knew all of the things. And yeah. Yeah. That's that's a, a particularly difficult when you know all of those things and have something yes. in your mind. Yeah. Did you struggle postpartum with any depression or anxiety? Yeah, I would say that after Andy Grace was born, I had a little bit of that postpartum depression. Um, but with Cal, it was um, it was very different. It was to a whole nother level. I mean, we walked into a birth diagnosis with a late preterm infant and then into a pandemic. And I was a mess. I was just, a, I was a hot mess. Yeah. So that it wasn't completely new for you if you'd had some with a previous child, but it was mm-hmm. definitely the the magnitude of it was much greater. Yes. And going into the pregnancy and then birth with Cal, I knew that because I had struggled with postpartum depression before, it was likely that it was probably going to happen again. And I was already on um, like an antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication. 
Um, so I think that that helped and I'm hindsight so thankful that I was on medication, um, before giving birth to him, because I, I think that that's important. It's important to recognize. Yeah. I tell women that all the time now that if I could go back in my postpartum journey, I would have started medication right away. Like I'm not yes. really sure why I drug my heels so much, but mm-hmm. absolutely. If anybody is listening, that is my one. I would do that over again. Yeah. I think it's because I, and, and you can tell me if you feel differently. I feel like there's a sense of shame. At least I did especially the first time around, you know, you, you have this new baby that you've hoped for and that you've wanted, and then you, you feel sad. And for me, there was almost a sense of shame associated with that. And so I felt like by agreeing to take medication, I was admitting that, you know, it was a, that I was unhappy or that there was something shameful about myself. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that too. And I talked a little bit in my um, podcast too, that I felt guilty for being a sad mom. Like I felt guilty that my son had a sad mom. Yeah. Yeah. All of that is, is very, very true. Did you have any other resources aside from medication to support you through that? Um, I think having my husband home was huge for us. He was able to take extra time off of work. Um, and we kind of started to transition also to a more holistic lifestyle. So, um, you heard me mention that I took medication for postpartum anxiety and depression, and I did. And we, I still do. Um, I just now also supplement that with a, a holistic lifestyle. And I think that that has been a really good and healthy coping mechanism for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay, so let's reverse back to after Cal was delivered and he was four weeks early. How did the, how did the rest of your nursery stay go? We actually were transferred, so we delivered at a smaller hospital, and they were unable to, because it was over the holidays as well, they were unable to do scans of Cal's heart to see if he had CHD, so congenital heart defects, which are very common in the trisomy 21 population. About 50% of uh, infants born with trisomy 21 have CHD, and so we were transferred to the larger hospital in town in order to get those scans done. Okay. And how did everything, how, how are the scans? How was the rest of his stay? Yeah, it was honestly all such a blur. I remember being discharged, I think a little less than 24 hours after I had delivered. So I was exhausted. I was sore, you know, and we were trying to yeah <laughs> make it over to across town to the other hospital. And um, we saw specialists after specialists after specialists, geneticists, nephrology, cardiology, endocrinology, just all of the, you know, specialists that wanted to rule everything out for Cal. Um, so it was a whirlwind. Yeah. Do you we didn't stay long. 18 oh, hours, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Being four quick. weeks early. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. He did great overall. Good. And in that immediate um, kind of postpartum period, did he do great? Feedings went great and everything else? Yeah. You know, I think I questioned myself the most just because of the diagnosis. So people were telling me things that Cal would probably not be able to do. And so, you know, they said, because he has Down syndrome, he has low muscle tone and he will not, you know, he may not breastfeed well. Well, he latched great. He fed great. I mean, he did everything that I was being told, Hey, he probably won't do X, Y, and Z Cal was doing. And so, um, 
yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, but. that's incredible. I mean, that that truly is amazing. So um, more power to treating the the person as a person instead of a diagnosis, right? Exactly, 100%, yes. So let's go back um, to uh, the shift in the more holistic lifestyle. When did you guys decide to do that? Yeah, it was about a month, month and a half after Cal was born. We decided, um, okay, there's something that's not working here. He was incredibly irritable and fussy, and we knew that we had to figure out a solution. What did you what did you finally come across that was that was causing lots of the issues? He was super fussy. Um, I was only breastfeeding him and it appeared that it was like a reflex type, maybe silent reflex kind of thing. And so um, I did a little bit of research and figured out that in the trisomy 21 population, it's very common for infants to have a gluten intolerance and a dairy intolerance. And so I cut those two things out of my diet. And sure enough, <laughs> about a week later, Cal was a completely different baby. Wow. And you were living on what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I did. I, it was a really fast way to lose postpartum baby weight. But um, yeah, I think that kind of forced my hand to look at other diet modifications. You know, how am I going to get high protein calories without you know, slamming down a hamburger or whatever else it was, you know, a lot of carbs and yeah, ice cream, cookies. All, yeah, all exactly. The stuff. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it forced us to eat a lot healthier. Mm-hmm. And when did you start getting into using more essential oils around your house? It was about the same time frame. Um, again, I, a lot of it started because of the research that I was doing for and about Cal and realizing that you know, how does that, ex- I was so, my nurse brain was just so curious. How does that extra chromosome impact his health? And what does that look like for him? And so I dove into um, a little bit of genetics, a little bit of nutrition, just a little bit of everything, you know, as a mom with this new diagnosis, you do everything that you can to help your kiddo. And so for me, it was, okay, what can I, what can I do? I needed to do something. And so for us, it was, you know, switching out products that I felt like could be harmful for Cal. Um, using essential oils on his belly instead of giving him reflex medication, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Do you have any resources in that first couple months that you found really valuable that you could share? Yes. I I would say a lot of it was from word of mouth, from reaching out through social media to other parents that had children with Down syndrome. Um through other parents and through the HADSA organization that's local here in, in our area. So it's, a, it's the Hawkeye area. I, I can't remember all what it sounds. Down, Down syndrome, syndrome association. Yeah. yeah. Um, reaching out to some of those parents saying, Hey, like, you know, where did you go? What did you do? And um, we kind of got pointed into the direction. We, we ended up finding a naturopath um, out of Portland, Oregon that, specialized in trisomy 21 and just being able to look at Cal as, as a whole person alongside of our pediatrician, the two work together and it is just such a blessing. Yeah. That's a beautiful blend finding a, a pediatrician and a naturopath that are both willing to, to collaborate. Yes, for sure. That's incredible. I'm curious to know, even before Cal came into the picture, how did becoming a mom change you? 
I wish that there was a book for the things that they don't tell you, mm-hmm. you know, about being a mom. <laughs> yes. Larry, we could fill it, couldn't we? Right? Um, I think there just was so much of myself that I didn't realize would be sacrificed for kids. And um, now I get to stand back and look at that with joy, thinking like, that's what being a mom is all about. It's all about being sacrificial, I think, for our kids and putting somebody else before yourself. And I think that you kind of, you don't learn what that really looks like until you enter into motherhood. Yeah. I feel like that there were parts of me that wonder and think, you know, well, what if this journey just would have been normal? Or what if, you know, what if we wouldn't have adopted? What if we wouldn't have had a child with special needs? What if it would have all just been normal? And I think that accepting that normal was just not in the cards for us and learning and growing to accept that um, we are normal, we're live, but our, no- our version of normal just looks different than some other more traditional families. And that's okay. And learning to just embrace that and accept it and to just love that our journey has been different and unique. Yeah, that's really special. Do you feel like that lesson was was even more enforced after Cal came into into your family? Yes, a hundred a hundred percent. Yeah, we always joke that now we just need to, you know, adopt internationally, and then we'll have just a little bit of of everything in our You're family. You're gonna just have a crew, yeah. <laughs> Um, you're, I spent some time kind of on your blog and through your Instagram and you talk a lot about learning and claiming your motherhood strengths and becoming an advocate when you welcomed Cal mm-hmm. into your life. Mm-hmm. I'm, I wonder if you could recall a specific lesson you've learned from each of your kids. Yeah, I think you even just saying that reminds me that I found that voice of advocacy through our journey in foster care and I, if, if any of you are familiar with the Enneagram, I am an Enneagram one, um, which is the advocate or. Yeah, that's what my husband uh, is too. Okay, awesome. And I didn't know that about myself, but as I learned more about myself through motherhood and realized that I was an Enneagram one, I was like, oh my goodness, this just makes, this makes so much sense. Um, so I felt like Gabe, with Gabe in motherhood, it's. I, I'm not really sure who made me a mama first. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, I, I always say that it's Gabe because I mean, that was when I began my motherhood journey. It, was, it had foster mom across the title, but I was still a mom. Yeah. And I think that with Gabe, he's, he's just taught me so much about how fragile life is and how there's such a much bigger world outside of ourselves. Um, because there were days with Gabe that we didn't know if we were going to get another week or if we would have forever with him, we just, we had no idea. How old was Gabe when he came to live with you? He was actually right at Cal's age. So about 13 months old. Okay. Andy Grace was actually a rainbow baby for us. So we had miscarried and then got pregnant with Andy Grace. Um, I tell you, she is just a tiny version of myself, which... <laughs> <laughs> If any of you have mini me's, you know that the struggle is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that Andy Grace is, it's just been such a joy to watch her because she is gaining such a valuable perspective on life that I feel like a lot of adults don't even get to experience or to see. You know, she's got an older brother that's adopted and a younger brother that has special needs. And she just, I don't know, she just does it with such ease. Yeah, Grace. I know lots of parents that have mini me's. It's, it's 
it's quite difficult because often the the things that are so frustrating in your mini me <laughs> are a re- direct reflection of yourself. Yeah, which can exactly. sometimes be very yep. difficult. Yeah, um, yes. but I think also seeing the those beautiful qualities that you just described in her are also a reflection of you is a really nice mm-hmm. reminder. Yeah, that's good. I haven't I hadn't thought about it that way, but yeah, I like that. That's that's really sweet. Yeah, I mean the grace that you've had through this whole journey, right, is is very similar to what mm. you described for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with Cal, I know we've talked about him nonstop, but do you have any specific <laughs> lessons you learned from Cal? Yeah, I mean, there are so many, but I think mostly we have learned to see in colors that we didn't know existed. <laughs> we've learned about a world that we didn't know as a thing. Um, and he's taught us that life is full of joy, that we just have to choose that joy. Um, that I, I think one of the biggest things that I've learned from Cal is that it's not so much about achievements. It's not so much about what the world tells us is good and perfect, but um, there's, there's more than just the accolades that you achieve in life, you know? Mm-hmm. And I would say as a, as a pediatrician and provider, just as we've been talking, you know, Cal has already taught me that you, you can't generalize someone on a diagnosis. So, mm-hmm. um, watching his personality say, okay, yeah, I can, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. If you think I'm not mm-hmm. going to, I sure, I certainly will. It's yes. amazing. Yeah. For parents that are listening that don't have any experience with children with disabilities, with with friends with disabilities, with, um, you know, if they're teachers or if they're pediatricians, if they haven't seen anybody with special needs, what advice would you give to them? Um, I hope that anybody that's listening hears my heart behind that. Prior to Cal, I didn't know the answer to this either. And I feel like sometimes I still don't. Yeah. <laughs> um. I I did not know how to approach a mom that had a kiddo with special needs. I didn't know what the right thing to do or the right thing to say was. Um, but I think, you know, being a year into our journey, I would say to those parents, just be inclusive. You know, don't, it, I feel like the the normal or natural tendency for us when we see a mom that has a kiddo with special needs and our, our child that's with us asks a question, our our tendency is just to hush them. So, you know, don't, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. But I feel like we should be talking about it. We should be teaching our kids how to be inclusive, how to um, look at others with differences as those, as having value and having worth and wanting to be their friend because they're going to teach us a different perspective than, than what we already have. Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. And kids are, naturally curious and so i think when they see someone whether it's a different skin tone or a different body size or a different ability level it's natural for them to be curious and ask questions Mm -hmm. and point and Mm -hmm. do the things that make you as a parent a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and i think addressing it and saying like oh you're right he does look a little different. Let's go introduce ourselves and see what his name is, see how he's doing, mm-hmm. yeah. rather than shushing that conversation and not allowing it to be a, a potential spot of learning. Yeah, totally agree. 
Do you feel like there's any lessons that you, as Cal grows and will be starting school, do you feel like there's anything that you hope other parents are teaching their kids beyond kind of what we talked about with inclusivity? I think, yeah, I think just kindness. And um, I think my biggest thing for Cal is I, I don't want him to have pity friends. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that's even a phrase. Yeah. But I want Cal to You can have, make it. You can make it a okay. phrase. <laughs> I want Cal to have friends and peers that see him, oh, not as the kid with Down syndrome, or I'm going to be nice to him because he has Down syndrome. But I want to be Cal's friend because he's Cal and like... He's cool and he has such a unique perspective and he gives so much joy. Like that's, that's what I want for Cal. Yeah. What do you wish healthcare providers knew about kids with special needs? You know, I think that, I think one of the hardest things for me was the way that our diagnosis was presented. Um, And if I'm honest, I kind of carried a chip on my shoulder for a little while after that. And I've had to remind myself, like, Katie, you didn't know any differently prior to Cal. So why would medical providers, you know, Mm -hmm. they haven't experienced that on a regular basis. Why would they, why would they know? It's not like they're daily giving out diagnoses. Yeah. (laughs) And um, so I think just learning to have that, that, that grace, um, not only for myself, but for others who are learning as well in the journey. Um, I think that if Cal, so when we got our diagnosis, it was presented as an apology. I am so sorry that your son has Down syndrome. And that was heartbreaking for me as a mother because I was, you know, immediately right off the bat, I felt like Cal was something to be apologized for, that um, he was less than, or that there was, there was something wrong or broken with my baby. Mm Mm-hmm. How do you, if you could go back and rewrite how that diagnosis was given to you, what would that mm-hmm. sound like? I think that uh, culturally as a whole, we have a, a lot of learning to do about Down syndrome. I mean, if the first thing that I did after we got our diagnosis, which new moms don't do this, <laughs> but I got on Google. Yes, don't do it. And I Google, yeah, don't do it. Don't Google it. Um, and, you know, the first things that come up, it's everything that your child's not going to be able to do. And I felt like that was also kind of the picture that was painted for us while we were at the hospital. You know, he's, he might, or he probably has, you know, CHD, he might, or may have a hard time breastfeeding. It was all of these things that Cal may not be able to do. And I I wish we could shift the narrative and say, you know what, Cal's gonna, Cal's gonna feed. He's gonna eat one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Cal's gonna ride a bike. Cal's gonna go to school. Cal's probably going to go to college. Cal's going to get a job. Cal's going to do all of these things. And here are some areas that he might struggle in, or here are some areas where we might have to put in just a little bit of extra work. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's a really important frame shift for, um, myself and many other providers because we, we get taught all the pathology Mm. and all the things Mm -hmm. to watch for and all the quote unquote Mm -hmm. scary things like a heart defect Mm -hmm. that you really want to rule out um that taking the time to rephrase that is Mm. is really you know in our mind as well as when it comes out of our mouth to to families Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think about, I was listening to a podcast called The Lucky Few. It's a, a podcast, a group of moms that have kiddos that with Down syndrome. And they were saying, you know, what if, what if um, providers, you know, pediatricians, the OBs, wh- whomever first encounters this child, what if, what if we did that with every neurotypical kiddo? And we said, hey, here's your baby. And here's what might go wrong in their life. You know, they might develop autism. They might develop X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I feel like people might stop having kids. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's a good lesson for all of us to have. What, as a mom, what are your dreams for Cal? You know, it's taken me about a year, I think, to be able to answer that question. Um, After Cal was born, I remember a sweet friend coming up to the hospital and sitting with me and she said, what do you want for Cal? What do you want out of life for Cal? And I just, I just bawled. I had no idea. I didn't know what to expect for him. And now I feel like I can truly and honestly just answer that question like I would for my other two kiddos. Like I want Cal to be happy. I want him to uh, feel fulfillment in the things that he achieves in life. And I want him to do whatever he wants to do and support him along the way. Yeah. Follow his heart. Be surrounded by love. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any fears for him as he grows up? Yeah, I think it's just that fear of, um, being included or being, I want him to be seen for Cal and not for Down syndrome. And if I'm honest, the most exhausting part, there are so many things that I absolutely adore and love about being Cal's mom. But one of the hardest is the need to feel like I always have to fight for him. Mm -hmm. I have to fight. feels like I have to fight for Cal to be seen for Cal and not be seen for his diagnosis. How do you and your husband take care of yourselves? <laughs> We're still learning. That's still yeah. a work in progress. Yeah. Do you find um, that you're better at taking care of each other than yourself? Yeah, I, I think most definitely. Yeah, it's it's very much still required a lot of teamwork. Yeah. What does it look like for you guys when you sit down and, and decide that, you know, one of you is running on empty and the other one needs a break and somebody's got a blowout and somebody needs a mm-hmm. bath. And what does, what does that look like? How do you navigate that? Well, I think I'll start by saying that I married a total rock star. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he walks in the door after, you know, his long day of work and I'm pulling my hair out because yeah, somebody just had a blowout and somebody else is crying and dinner's burning and all of the things. And he just jumps right in and, you know, takes the kids outside or throws them in the tub or whatever. And, um, I think we've, we've been married for seven years now. And so he's pretty good at seeing it on my face. I am waving the white flag. Like I need a break. (laughs) Um, and vice versa, you know, I can just tell it. We don't have to have a lot of words exchanged, but I can tell by the facial expressions, like he's burnt out, he's tired, he's worn down, like we'll play a round of golf or, you know, go watch basketball or whatever. Yeah. What is your equivalent of that, a round of a golf and, and basketball? Yeah. Oh, man. Just just time alone in a quiet room count. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. And or I, running. Yeah. I love to run. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah, with the weather turning nice, it's, it's, oh, man. it's getting beautiful to get outside yes. and kind of clear your head that way. Yep. If you had one piece of advice for parents that 
maybe in a similar situation with you getting an unexpected diagnosis, what, what would you, what advice would you give them? Oh man. Um, I would tell them to buckle up because (laughs) they're on the ride of their life. Um, I, I heard a parent say, um, somebody had, had sent me a message I feel like I have all these virtual mom friends yeah. through social media. Yeah. But that's I mean, how pandemic I living, with, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's been, the, honestly, the easiest way for me to connect with moms who have similar diagnoses. Um, but a mom messaged me once, and I'll never forget it. And she said, girl, you just hit the jackpot. And at the time, I just totally did not understand that. But a year later, man, did we ever hit the jackpot. You gave me <laughs> has goosebumps. Just, yeah. <laughs> um, he's just made our lives so much richer. And I think at first I was, all I could see were were the negative things. I thought it was going to be a burden. I thought it was going to be all of these things. And Cal has surprised me in every way avenue possible. And he has just been the biggest blessing that our family has ever had. That's awesome. Where can people follow you to watch Cal? I mean, his little, his videos are (laughs) just the cutest. So where can, where can people follow you? Sure. Yes. There's a lot of personality there. Um, you can find us on Instagram. It's um, at hello, like the word hello, and then sparrows, the bird. And you have a blog as well? Yep. Um, and that's at hellosparrows.com. Okay. And I'll put both of those in the show notes too for people. And then of course, I'll um, tag you on Instagram when we release the podcast. There's awesome. one question that I ask all moms that come on here is what is a mom hack that you've discovered that you want everybody to know about? Oh gosh. Do you oh, have man. any, it can be really like really simple too. Okay. Like the way you cut crust off a peanut butter sandwich yeah. or yeah, okay. any of that stuff. <laughs> I, okay. This is a little bit weird, but go with me. Okay. We, when we're giving Cal a bath, I use a plastic bin or bucket that has a bunch of like small like a laundry basket but smaller mm-hmm. oh yeah like and a put that like in. a toy bin or something exactly and it's like porous so it lets water in and we use that as a bathtub in the big bathtub so that cal's not slipping and sliding all over the tub but he's still sitting up and he has his own little pool essentially to play in so oh, that's great especially with other kids in there yes it's it's awesome <laughs> That's so brilliant. Where did you, did you come up with that? Did you find it no. somewhere? Yeah, I, I think I had seen it on like Pinterest or something like forever ago, probably pre-kids. And I was like, that's weird. And then I had kids and I totally, I did it. I was like, you Pinterest moms. I am not a Pinterest mom. I'm an, <laughs> I am an Amazon Prime mom. So that is right. just, <laughs> that's such a great idea. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on here, for talking with me, for sharing your feelings and your stories and all of it together, I think is so valuable for um, everyone to hear and for me to hear. So thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. I can't wait to watch Cal as he grows. Oh, man, he, is, he truly has just been such a joy. It's so fun cheering on those little milestones. <laughs> he so is. He's such a light, especially in front of that mirror. You guys have got to check out his videos. Oh, man. Well, thank you so much. Yes, absolutely. <laughs>